Okay, so good morning, everybody. So uh, just a couple of things, just want to mention. Just uh, so you know, there's there's, a, there's, there's kind of like a wave of events that happen in this church all the time. You know, we just finished with the Easter celebration, and before that was Vision Conference, and now it's VBS. And uh, so VBS is gearing up, and um, it's uh, the dates of June 20th to 24th. That's a Monday through Friday evening. As you as you know, uh, Chris and Lauren Cohen are heading that up again. And they're doing a great job. Uh, I did check with him. Uh, he could use a few more. He didn't give me a number, but if but if you're if you're interested in in basically leading a group of kids around from station to station, um, they could use a few more of those. Uh, that's all. That's actually all he said that they need. I guess all the other uh, stations are covered. You know, as far as somebody's running them and and uh, all of that type of stuff. And so the theme is, um, um, oh, click on the website. Because <laughs> I can't even remember the theme right now. I think it's Australia. It, it's something to do with Australia, the Zoomerang or something. Yeah, it's something like that. And uh, basically it's looking at God's creations and uh, the differences in the, in the, the likenesses of God's creation. So that's a good, it's going to be a good one. be a fun time. And um, uh, so that's if you're interested in that, get a hold of Chris Cohen. Zoomtastic. Zoom. What is it? Zoomtastic. Zoomtastic. Okay. Knew it was something Zoom. Um, and uh, I think we have the correct date on the next time our class cleans. Uh -uh. May <laughs> Don't believe me, do you? I do not believe you. <laughs> well, please believe Julie. She verified it. <laughs> 514, May 14th of that weekend, and our class cleans the church. So, uh, just want to just, and I do have the the official chart. So, I check it out. So, May 14th, and the next time is June 25th. So, um, yeah, that's come right around the corner. Uh, and then I just have all, did anybody know what CITP, Julie didn't know, do you know what CITP is? Church in the Park, there you go, good job. So there is no word yet on Church in the Park. Anybody, I don't know what the deal is with the park, but it's under construction. The pool is, is they're doing something to the pool, they're doing something to the drainage on the lake, uh, the roads, uh, everything. They, they don't know if they will have the construction done and the park reopened in time for us to have church in the park. So especially May, I mean, there's 30 days. So I don't think it's going to make it, but I don't know everything they got going on and got, you know, whatever their schedule is, I don't know. But if they don't do it, then we can't get in the park. So we can't have church in the park. There was some conversation about maybe going to another uh, community, like Raymore, Belton, Archie, whatever, and you go into one of those parks, but I think we've uh, decided not to do that as well. Just the complications involved in that, um, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. So we may not have church in the park because we can't get there. But, so you, that's something to pray for, that the park would get whatever construction they're doing and put the fish back, whatever they need to do. Um, you know, I, somebody said they actually drained the lakes, both of them. So. I don't know where the water went, but uh, I don't know how it's going to take, how they'll fill it back up. 
hate to pay that water bill. But um, there's so anyway, just pray for that because Church in the Park is is an annual. It's a kickoff the summer event really for us, and uh, it's always been a lot of fun. Um, so for, I just mentioned just pray for Bob and Sharon Bolkin and David. Just thank you. I'm so glad you guys are making it back. Uh, it's, it's a good thing. And I I'm still. I mean Judy's still still out. Um, I haven't been able to check in with um, with Richard in this past week. So I don't know if anybody else has or anything. Anybody know anything? Because I I don't know what's going on other than she has. She still has bronchitis and she's pretty bad. Last time I talked, did, did take uh, talk to Richard, and then Bob Klein had his surgery last week, and he's here. Praise the Lord! His, his son-in-law is here, Brett. Brett, right? Okay. Uh, so if you haven't met him, please introduce yourself to him when class is over with. And uh, um, and then there's other people that are always on our list. I just don't get everybody on there, but just pray for everybody. It's on our church-wide prayer list, and then um, if you want, if you're interested, as far as the ladies are concerned, the uh, invest study is is reengaging or restarting, and I I just said see the bulletin because I don't remember what the dates are. I know they meet on Tuesday morning, I believe, and then on Thursday night, and whatever they teach, they, even though they do it two times, once in the morning, once in the evening, it's the same lesson, so you don't miss anything, and uh, I believe uh, Lisa. Lockwood is running that now. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, Lisa, I should mention Mark. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Lockwood's mother passed away uh, this, this past week from lung cancer. I don't know the exact date, um, but um, that's why you won't see the Lockwoods here today. They're, they're with family. So just pray for Mark and in, in the, the passing of his mother and uh, keep them in your prayers if you can. Uh, so let's go to prayer, uh, and before we do that, let's turn it over to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we'll read verses 9 to 16, and um, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the lesson. Oh, and by the way, just uh, if you missed uh, um, Jamie and Wendy's wedding Friday night, that was that was awesome. It was really, it was a sweet time, it was, it was good to see them, um, and... Uh, it wasn't here, it was at a different church, but Pastor Brian did the wedding, and, uh, and so it was really cool. So um, just pray for them that as they get their, their married life started. And, uh, and so anyway, so uh, see, Ecclesiastes, still haven't gotten there myself. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Well, I, I, I hadn't had a chance to talk to her, so I wasn't going to say something, but is that okay? So I didn't know that you had a job of that type of, that, in that type of area. So Katie's going down to the border in Texas? Yeah, Del Rio. Texas, New Mexico, an area there to uh, Del Rio. Okay. So to keep... Um, uh, well, you can tell what you're doing. I don't know. <laughs> if you want to, tell what you want. <laughs> um, I'll be, basically, I'm just going to be down there supporting uh, the CBP officers. I do work for Homeland Security. Um, okay. And so um, they've, they've offered the detail to go down and support the mission. And so that's... And how long? I'll be down there for 45 days. 45 days. That is a long <laughs> vacation. <laughs> um, well, they're talking 10, 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week. 
Well, we will definitely be praying for you and for your your family while you're gone. And... Will your boys starve while you're gone? <laughs> um, no, but I did hire a housekeeper to come in every two weeks. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks for helping to keep the border safe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just found that out this, this weekend that, that that I didn't even I didn't know you worked for Homeland Security, so. You're an important person in class, you know. We've been, everybody be careful. <laughs> well, anyway, we'll be praying for you too. So, okay, Proverbs, or Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 9, read to the end of the chapter, verse 16, and then uh, we'll pray. So, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one tr prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king, who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in, the, in his kingdom becometh poor. I consider all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand in his steed. There is no end of all the, all the people, even all of all that have been before them. They also come after, they also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this is, this is also his vanity and vexation of spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, uh, being able to be here at church this morning, it was a good start to the, to the Sunday morning with a beautiful sunrise, and uh, Lord, I know the rain came in throughout most of the night, and at least in some places, and we're thankful for that, and we just are thankful, Lord, as the sun rose, Lord, and reminds us that Christ rose, and we praise you for that. We just ask now, Lord, as we read this passage, Lord, that uh, you would help us to always be partnered together with somebody, uh, that the things that we do, Lord, would uh, would... Uh, be partnered, but I know I know we are also partnered with you at all times. Lord, you, we carry you in our heart, um, and um, whenever we are there, you're you're there. Uh, Lord, I do pray for those that have fallen. Lord, that we will be able to lift them up. Fallen because of sickness, fallen because of just bad health or situations that are in their life. Lord, we pray, Lord, that this church could be a um, a fellow that can come along and help. And I ask Father for your guidance and your wisdom. I do pray for. Um, Katie, as she's uh, preparing to leave uh, for uh, several weeks, Lord, for her uh, her job, and I pray for that you keep her safe and and what she does there, Lord. I hope it would be an example of of Christ in her, and you would um, use that opportunity to reach people that need to know your your Son Jesus Christ. We do pray also for Judy Steele and Bob Klein, Lord, and his healing and. We're thankful, Lord, uh, the progress that he's made, and, and we ask for your guidance on the things that he still has to go through. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for those little touches through the week that let us know you're there. Let us know you love us so much when we just kind of get a little thirsty. Thank you, Father. Father, this passage shows us the oppressions under the sun on, on this earth and because of sin, the sin of mankind and Lord uh, even in the midst of that uh, 
we can see your, your grace, your mercy, um, and how they're new every day. Lord, the, the world doesn't understand that. They don't see that. They, they just see sin, and, and they cannot see their own sin. And because of that, they can't see you. And Lord, help us to be used to show forth your grace, to be a light, uh, to be a witness, and Lord, to um, encourage and edify our brothers and sisters. Lord, as we conclude in prayer again, we just thank you for for how you move in our life. We pray, Father, that you would just continue to open our heart. Help us to be an example of the believer, Lord. Help us to learn from this lesson this morning the things that uh, you want to teach, uh, speak to us about. And we just ask you all of this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so we're in Colossians chapter 1. We just started the book of Colossians last week. And um, well, it wasn't last week, it was week before last. So this letter, just as a reminder, kind of a uh, just as a reminder, where we're getting started is it? This is one of those prison epistles Paul wrote while he was in prison in, in Rome, the first time he was in prison, uh, and it was after he had appealed to Caesar when uh, he spoke to Festus, and, and they're giving him they're giving him all kinds of, of a hard time, and basically says, look, uh, this has gone on long enough. I appeal to Caesar for my release. And so they, they sent him to Rome, and uh, so while he was there, he had an opportunity to write several letters, uh, and um, uh, those letters are what we would call the prison epistles now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he wrote uh, letters to believers as well. He wrote one letter to Philemon to address fellowship and partnership. And then, uh, of course, this letter uh, is a little bit different in that uh, all the letters that Paul wrote, he... To the churches, uh, he had been to those churches. He had he had ministered to those churches, helped them get them get them started. Except for the one in Colossia, he had never been to Colossia. He didn't know the church. He didn't know the people. He didn't even know about the church until he met a guy by the name of uh, Epaphras. And we'll talk more about him uh, today. And so, uh, Paul wrote this letter after meeting him. Who so Epaphras literally traveled to Rome to speak to Paul. And uh, at least that's what the the uh, indications are that he went there, and um, and he so Paul so he told he told him about this church, and Paul said, "Well, I'm going to write them a letter and encourage them." And remember, what I talked about last time. You know, sometimes we should just write a letter and encourage another church or encourage a missionary. I mean, it's great to tell your missionary, "Hey, I'm praying for you." And we, it's great we have prayer teams. Um, I think we're up to about ten or eleven prayer teams now. A couple of them just got formed after our vision conference, so praise the Lord for that. But it's great we had those prayer teams, but you know, sometimes the per, the the, uh, the missionary and their family was just like a, a word from you, you know, just a short note. And some, you know, and it's hard to mail, and you never know when if something's going to get mailed overseas. When did the letter arrive? It might show up next year, it might show up next week. Um, but uh, it's good to write and just say, hey, you know, I want to encourage you in the word. And so that's what Paul was doing, even though he was in prison. He needed encouragement. He's writing a church to encourage them. And that's what this letter is about. So this letter is written to a young church. 
It was, it was young and it faced doctrinal and practical problems on their own, uh, but also because there were false teachers preying on young churches. That's a, a common theme throughout the Bible is that there's a, a, a group of people that chased after Paul wherever he went, or if they heard of a church, even whether Paul was there or not, if they heard of a church, they would go there and try to disrupt the service, disrupt the, uh, the functions of the church. So this church faced heretical pressures from such teaching as human philosophy, calls for works, uh, as, as well as the tra- traditions of men, anything that opposed Christ. For example, if you're in Colossians, look at verse 1, I'm sorry, verse, chapter 2, verse 8. This is a reminder here. Paul says this about that situation. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. People will always want to steal your joy and steal your relationship with the Lord. Uh, disrupt it in some way. And that's something that, that, uh, that we all need to stand fat firmly against. Uh, and one of the ways to do that is to know, know the Word. And to, to be in the Bible all the time. So anyway, um, so this church is, is a young church. Paul wrote them the theme of our study uh, if you know on the, on the handout in the top right or left hand corner, I got the study is the knowledge of God, or the knowledge of Christ. Because again, in, back in chapter one of Colossians, verse eighteen, Paul says that he is that he is that the head of the body, the church, who is the, who is the beginning, the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, focusing on Christ. And then the letter just kind of expands out from that concept right there we'll get into that next week we won't get to chapter to verse 18 today but it will expand out from that over the rest of the, the letter uh, talking about him being the firstborn and him being uh the head of the body and and that, that he has preeminence in our life or he should and so we'll talk about that so my theme verse for this whole uh uh the first half i should say Chapter 1, verse 18 is the, is the key verse, but it's divided up into chapter 1 and 2, which focuses on doctrine, and chapters 3 and 4, which focuses on application. We talked about that last week, but just as a reminder, verse 10, that you walk worthy of the Lord with all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. When As you increase in the knowledge of God, you become more solid in your doctrine. There's a lot of doctrine floating around out there. I mean, there's doctrine that's coming at you in every corner. But, uh, whether you watch a movie, uh, I mean, it may be just a regular, is there such thing a regular movie anymore? But, but just a movie, and, it'll, and it'll, it will slam true doctrine in some way. There'll be a comment made, a little insinuendo here and there, uh, wrecking, uh, attacking the truth of the Bible. Uh, songs are notorious for doing that. Uh, we 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 allow ourselves to have our doctrine dictated by what is on the radio, and we have to be careful about those things. I mean, some of the songs are good. I had, I'm no, not complaining about that necessarily, but guard yourself is what I'm actually saying. So anyway, the second verse, the second half is Colossians three ten. It says he, that, uh, and I put on the new man. So so you're a new person. He's reminding the church, you're a new church, which has renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And matter of fact, and I remember just 11 times, or 11 different verses throughout this four chapters, uh, is the word know. K-N-O-W. 
and so there's some intent that they, Paul wants you to know some things. So he writes this letter to a group of believers that he's never met, and he encourages them because of what he has learned of them from their pastor. That a lot of people believe, and I, I, I don't know if he was, but some people think that Epaphras was the pastor of the church, that he might have been one of the ones that started the church. Maybe he was, I don't know, but he was a key figure in the church, and he went to Rome to talk to Paul, get some advice from Paul, uh, and bring him back to the church. So while we're still kind of an introductory part of this chapter one, we start to see three things that Paul is, is focused on. Uh, and let me just give you the, the, the headings real quick that you have in your notes. Paul was pleased with their pattern of behavior. We kind of talked about that last week. Uh, verses 7 and 8, Paul has a passion for preachers. Uh, now that doesn't mean pastors themselves. That means anybody that's preaching the word. Anybody that's sharing the word, teaching the word, uh, encouraging other people in the word. And then in verses uh, 9 to 11, Paul has some precise prayer for people. And I like, I like how he did this, and we're gonna, I'm going to give you some prayer points, some things to remember how to pray for others. If you don't, have, if you don't know what to pray for somebody, this is a great list, and we'll talk about that. And then we'll wrap up it from 12 to 14, that Paul's prayers can continue into Paul's praise for the church. And then we'll, we'll go through all of that. So let's go back and start over. Chapter, chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. Let's read that, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump in here. So Paul says in verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye hear, you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you, since the day ye heard of it and, know, and, and knew the grace of God in truth. So Paul was basically, he said, Hey, I, you know, He's encouraging them, and the way he words it, essentially what, what I get out of it, is that he was pleased with their, their, the pattern of their behavior. He was pleased with their actions, how they represented themselves, how they presented themselves as believers. And, uh, and so we're not going to go back through all these verses again because we talked about that last week at length. But I do want to remind you that Paul had a pattern, and we, and we talked about that pattern. Remember, the pattern started with faith, uh, and, it was, and it led to their love. And then it ultimately uh, re re resulted in their behavior. And we talked about that. So Paul was pleased with their behavior because it secured their hope. So we had faith, love, and hope. Those three things need to be exhibited in, in the life of every Christian. What is your faith? Can you exhibit your faith? You should. Uh, can, do you know how to love people that you don't like? That's a challenge. That's hard. But, but aren't... But, I mean, aren't we kind of instructed to love everybody? Yeah. I mean, there's not a person that we shouldn't love. If love them in Christ, at least. Mm -hmm. Love them in Christ. Love them to Christ. Yeah. Let's say it that way. Love them to Christ. And then have hope that, that God will have an impact in their life as well. So he was pleased with their behavior um, and, um, and their hope of the gospel. So look, if you see it in verse 5 again, he says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, wherever you heard before in the word. Their hope is linked to the word, by the way. You know, you have hope because you have the Bible. There's so many people in the world that don't have a Bible in their language. They don't have, they're hopeless. And that's, what we, that's why we have a Bible ministry. Uh, that's why we, we try to put out as much as we can. As, uh, just so you know, uh, you, get, you get to this kind of stuff because I'm 
over the ministry, and so not everybody will will know that he would share this. But we've sent uh, uh, Bibles in, in Haitian Creole uh, just this week. Not a lot, New Testament, not a lot of them. Uh, we're working on, uh, we're, we're going to be getting some French and sending them to Africa. So we have French uh, New Testaments coming. Um, and uh, see what other language we do. I've lost track. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of Spanish. We got ten thousand Spanish we're working on. Well, anyway, that's just all, that's just how how things are happening. There's always something going on. Okay, but then we get to verses seven and eight. So Paul Paul was pleased with their pattern of behavior, and now Paul has a verses seven and eight. Paul had a passion for preachers. He says in verse seven, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. And that's kind of where we get the idea that maybe he's the minister of the church. He's the pastor of the church because he's a minister of Christ. Verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So, I would start with this. In verse 7, as you, as you also learned. So I would just say, verse, verse 7, you learned. You learned some things. Everybody needs to be learning everything about the Bible all the time. And Paul commends the growth of the church because of the teaching done by Epaphras. So, uh, you know, not every church has the uh, the blessing of having uh, a discipleship ministry where we want to teach the Bible, where we want to teach people the Bible so that you can teach the Bible. Because we think that everybody, especially what Paul said to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2, that, that we should teach the things that we're taught. We, are under, we literally are under obligation. Every single one of us are under obligation to try to teach somebody else. Not you don't have to teach at the level of a pastor, but if you know if you just teach somebody how to get saved, or if you just teach somebody how to how to have how to pray, if you teach somebody how to how to how to read the Bible, because you know sometimes people have a hard time reading this thing called the Bible. You know? I know the first time I ever tried to read the Bible, I was like, I don't understand it. Close it up, put it away. But nobody showed me how to interpret, understand, and get out of the Bible what God was trying to give me. Until I got saved and I started getting plugged in, started getting disciples, it's like, oh, that's what that means, and it changed things. And so Paul says, "Hey, I'm 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 happy you have a pastor who's investing in you." And so it's likely that Epaphras grew their faith. No, so we had faith, love, and hope. So it's a, it's likely that Epaphras grew their faith as they learned to love and they shared their hope because of his ministry to them. That's what, that's what I'm getting just out of verse 7. As ye learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. You can't have love in the Spirit if you're not caring for other people. It just doesn't work. So it's likely that Epaphras did all of those things, and this is something that we all should strive to accomplish. Our investment in another person, whether Bible studies or discipleship or any other conduit for investing, should result in the same things. What should it be? So as we invest in somebody else, so when we have we have four goals in discipleship, right? You know, uh, establish, 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 establish. But we have these four goals. Well, here we give you three things. Um, they're not really established like that, but let me just give you a thing. We need to invest in people to result in that they're having a stronger faith. So faith, love, faith, love, and hope, right? So we need to encourage people to have a stronger faith. You know, sometimes people, you hear people say, you know, I just don't know if God's around. I just don't know if, if God even knows I'm, I exist. 
Well, okay, bingo. That's the, that's the number one clue right there. You need to encourage that person that God is. And that's it. Just God is. He's there. The second thing is to teach people and encourage people to have a more consistent love for the church and for the lost. So we should teach people how to love others. Sometimes that's hard. You know, when some people come into the church for the first time in their life, uh, loving is something that they don't even know it, but they're actually seeking love. They're looking for somebody that would receive them. You know, sometimes you hear people, you hear the, I don't think it's in this church, I don't, haven't heard it in a long time, or if ever, but, but some churches are like, this is just not a very friendly church, I'm leaving. You know, and so that's an example of that church isn't loving people that are coming in the door saying, I need help. And the third thing that we need to encourage people and be a conduit for investing in other people is how they can have renewed hope. So, so see how all these things tie together, faith, love, and hope. If we're, if we're going to invest in anybody, we need to invest in them in such a way that they learn how to have faith, and they can trust their faith, and they can lean on their faith, and how to love other people, and how to have the hope of the, of the gospel of truth, and, and, the, and the hope of, of their own future, being in heaven. And then he also says, he says, you learn, and that's the things you learn. But in verse 7, he also goes on just a little bit further. You learn from, your, from our dear fellow servant. And that's an interesting word, fellow servant. Paul calls him a fellow servant, meaning that he and Paul served in the ministry equally. Now, it doesn't mean that him and Paul served together, but they were, they were like-minded. They were like-focused. They were like targeting what they were trying to get done they were the same now while we don't we don't know for sure where they got to, they, they became associates but we do know that they served the same master so we are all fellow servants in that sense we're all fellow servants we're also we're also ministering equally when I say equally I mean importance and an influence now you know, nobody should have better influence uh, in a person's life I mean, we shouldn't be like, oh, you got, you got to go talk to my pastor. He's, he'll tell you everything you need to know. Well, you tell him. Well, I don't know. Well, then learn. You see how that works? It goes back and it's just kind of running around and running around. So more important is how Paul called him a faithful minister of Christ. That's an incredible title as well, or a description of him. We could call each other fellow servants because we all serve fellowship together under the leadership of Christ. And we are his servants. So we're, we're ministers. We're, we should be faithful ministers of Christ. What, is it, what does that actually mean? It's mean? You're going to help people get closer to Christ all the time. You're a faithful minister leading people to Christ. And at the same time, if we're going to be fellow servants, we must also be faithful ministers. Because we can't be a fellow servant and be a faithful minister. To, one, one is linked to the other. So the challenge for all Christians is where will they faithfully minister? Every one of us need to find a place to minister. How will they live their life as a fellow servant? And so Paul also called Epaphras, he had one other title for Epaphras, and that's actually in the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 23. Uh, Philemon was that little short one-chapter letter that Paul wrote to this guy named uh, Philemon about his slave Onesimus, who had run off, you know, ran away, 
he got arrested. Him and he, him, he met Paul in prison, got saved. And now Paul says, well, you know, you got to go back. You got to go back to your, to your owner. And so he wrote a letter that Onesimus that could to deliver to try to, Paul was trying to encourage him in the faith. Uh, remember, faith, hope, and love. You got a guy here that just got saved. You need to help him. I know he's your slave and I know he, he, he wronged you, but forgive him and help him. And so anyway, he says about, about Epaphras, that's where really where we're going. Chapter, two, chapter 1, verse 23. There salute thee Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. So there's another title, a third title. He calls Paul a, so he's a fellow servant, a minister in faith, and then he's also a fellow prisoner. Uh, and then in verse 8, he kind of goes, expands it a little bit, and he says in verse 8, who, are, who also declared unto us your love for Christ. So, now what Paul is saying here is, look, I know you now. I know you as a church. I know you as a body. I know you as a believer. What he's saying is, I know you because I know him. I know Epaphras, and Epaphras has given me a testimony of you, so I know you now. Not only that, but I know that you know that Christ is who is your Savior, and I know Christ. So you've got two thumbs up from people that I am in a relationship with about you being the right kind of person, the right church. So many times we get to know a fellow servant first by the testimony of others. You know, uh, when, when we have missionaries come, uh, I have to I have to kind of go through this process, especially if they just call me out randomly out of the blue, or I get an email or 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 something or a letter, and they're saying, "Hey, we're going to this country, so and so. I'd love to come by and present our ministry." And I have to, you probably have used the word or heard the word, vet them. I have to kind of, okay, where are you going? What are you doing? What's your doctrine? What's your background? Where are you from? Do you know anybody that I know? I mean, I don't ask that question directly that way, but, you know, if they happen to mention, well, you know, I'm from Midtown. Oh, okay. Or I'm from First Bible Baptist Church in Blue Spring. Oh, okay. Or something like that. It's like, that speaks. If, if they know you, then, then, um, then I will at least give you a chance to come and talk to me. I mean, so so that's, that's a good thing. That's kind of what, what Paul was doing here with this. Um, so Paul heard first that a that Epaphras, from Epaphras, how the church learned to serve. And then he comments, he commends the church after learning of their love and the Spirit. But notice that Paul did not mean a natural affection. Instead, he meant the love that they had as a result of the Holy Spirit. And that's a cool thing. So what should we take from this? Just these, just these examples here real quick. What should we take from Epaphras' example? What we should take is what kind of servant we should be. What kind of servant? So let me give you a better way to say this would be what, what are we doing to grow and to strengthen the church? Which means that we should be a, and I got four things. I don't think it's in your notes, but we need to be a leader who teaches. That's what verse seven is telling us. We need to be a leader who teaches. The second thing that we need to be, we need to be a, not only a leader, but a servant who engages the word as a faithful minister. We, that means that we get involved. And the third thing is, in verse 8, we need to be a bold spokesman for Christ. We need to be bold. And fourth, we need to be a motivator to the call for action in verse 9, which we didn't get to verse 9, but we will hear in just a second. Verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, 
do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so four things that we should pick up and as Paul is commending Epaphras, basically what I'm saying, we all need to learn how to be Epaphras. We all need to learn how to be an, an Epaphras. A, a leader who teaches, a servant who engages, a spokesman who is bold, and someone who motivates others to, to, to action. And if we would just do that, if all of us would just do that, um, I think that um, we would have a, an exciting time around here in, in the very near future. Things would change. Things would happen. People would be coming, going left and right. It just, people would get discipled. It would be great. Okay, so then, so his, um, Paul's passion for preachers leads to his precise prayers in verses 9 to 11. So just, just you, can, you can get to the bullet point yourself, but let me just read through 9 to 11. So verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray. So we just start right there. Paul says, I'm going to pray for you all the time. Um, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened,